I'm so glad that you're here. Welcome back to Let's Extricate It. This is the show where we extricate the insight out of our stuck moments and we use those to shape our personal leadership journey. I think we have a lot to gain from the moments that we get stuck. That's the whole point of this podcast. So first, let's start today's episode with my new favorite thing. Let's welcome our new listeners. Specifically today, I'm looking at you, India. Yeah, that's so cool. New York, I see you. Pennsylvania, I see you. New Hampshire, I see you. And England, it is so nice to have you. We're keeping it global and I love that. Thank you so much for being here. For today's episode, I want to share some tools that helped me become more confident in myself and my leadership capabilities. And I also want to talk about a leadership challenge that was presented to me in one of my classes that the second I heard it, I thought, how, how come more people don't know about this? <laughs> like, we need to talk about this. So I want to share that with you today. Uh, I'm going to talk about some tools, and I'll make sure to link them in the show notes. So if you want to check them out yourself, they'll be there for you, ready to go. And I also want to note, in the show notes, you'll find a voicemail option. So if you want to leave me a question, a comment, or anything, you can do that. You can click the link, record a message, and I'll get it. And if you want me to answer it on the show, I will totally do that too. I think that that'll be really fun. First, I want to talk about some of the tools that have helped me and I want to give you a little bit of a backstory on one of them. I'd say about seven or eight years ago, I was battling a darker moment of depression and I kept repeating to myself that I had no strengths, I had no value, and I just overall was tuned out of my present moment and life just sucked 100%. And I was getting stuck in this negative narrative in my head. And it was becoming really comfortable too. Fortunately for me, I had a friend that I kept really close to me during this time. And she listened to me repeat this message over and over. And it just kept coming up in our conversation. Because all I could say was like, I have no strengths. I don't know. I don't know what my strengths are. Like they just don't exist. And she said, that is not true. You have so many strengths and I think the world of you, I think you need to start thinking that of yourself. Please take this book. So I took the book and it was called Strengths Finder 2.0. And this book literally tells you your top five strengths and it gives you stories and explanations from people who share the similar strength as yours. And it was the most helpful tool I think I'd ever received from anyone. And it just, it rocked my world because I learned that I have these strengths that I naturally just am inclined to do. And I don't really have to work too much at them because they're already there. Like they're already there and present. And now I get to sharpen them and make them better. So for me, my top five strengths are in order, adaptability, empathy, harmony, communication and connectedness and I really want to encourage you to check out this tool and I think if you purchase it now you will actually get more than your top five strengths you'll get like 20 of them I believe I think they've expanded this tool and I think it would be a lot of fun to check out if you're interested so this is a tool that I just I hold on to me as much as possible and I want to talk about it as much as possible so check it out let me know what you think The next thing is I, this might sound like a really obvious one and you might already be familiar. I just want to stress it just a little bit more. 
So personality type, Myers-Briggs. I think there's a lot of insight there. And for the longest time, I thought it was an ENFJ. And I do think I can behave as an ENFJ. But I learned that my core is actually ENFP, which explains a lot because I'm very much, right now, I'm very much just in the moment and I don't want to plan every little detail because that kind of stresses me out a little bit. And I realize that's because I'm a little bit more of a of a P person. And that might sound like complete insanity to you because those are just letters. Those mean nothing. I just want to encourage you to take a look, take the quiz and find out for yourself, see where you are. And you might, you might actually have a breakthrough, hopefully. So that has been a really helpful tool. And then there's the ocean test, which is also known as the big five of like leadership. And it's where you fall in like how open you are, how conscientious you are, how agreeable you are, how extroverted you are, and your neuroticism, where you fall on that scale. And I think that's another really helpful tool as well. So check that out if you want. Now here's where the fun stuff comes in. I want to talk about the leadership challenge. And that's actually the name of the challenge. It was developed by Kuzes and Posner. What it does is it gives five practical steps to sharpen your leadership skills. And this is especially true if you're trying to be a transformative leader because the style falls into the transformational leadership approach. And like I said earlier, when I learned about it, I thought, whoa, this is incredible. Let's talk about this. So the first step in the model is model the way. This is a game changer, and I want to unpack this a little bit. As leaders, if you want to talk the talk, you need to walk the walk. And those things need to match. It is in the incongruencies that show your followers that they do not need to take on this practice and perform at such a high level. People are always watching leaders to see what they're doing, how they're doing it, what they say. And it's, it's a moment where they look at that and then they see what's happening and then they follow suit. It's a natural tendency. And this does kind of go back to servant leadership a little bit where you have to conceptualize a vision and the expectations that come with it because it is in the unvoiced expectations that we find relational miscommunication and unnecessary distress. And really, I think... Disaster is just waiting when you're not modeling the way. So expecting your followers to behave a certain way with a high degree of excellence while you as the leader refuse to share in that same expected behavior, I think that's a little insane. Number two is inspire a shared vision. So again, similar to what we've discussed in other episodes, you have to communicate and breathe life into a shared vision. So the whole point of communication is to create a shared meaning and understanding. At least that's like the basic definition of communication. So the question is, how do we, how do we get to creating a shared meaning? How do we do that? So I want to try something with you. Right now, whatever you're doing, just close your eyes and visualize the words that I'm going to say right now. I'm going to give you three words. 
and just make mental notes on what they look like, how they feel, and we'll, we'll see what happens. So the first image I want you to think of is a pencil. You got it in there? See it? See the pencil? Okay, great. Second image, a glass of water. All right, that should be in there. And the next one, sandwich. What does that look like to you? Okay, so let me share mine with you first. My pencil was a soft yellow color. It was short, very sharp, and had a terracotta eraser that was fresh, unused, untouched, and it was sitting on a table. Was that, did that match your image of pencil that you had in your head? Was it a mechanical pencil? Interesting, okay. Next, the glass of water for me was sitting on a table. The cup was very plain, smooth, and it was a shorter cup, and the water was room temperature. In it, I had a slice of lemon. Did yours look the same? Was there ice? Was it a tall glass? Interesting, okay. And then for sandwich, for me, I immediately picture a classic Italian sub on a plate with a pickle and some chips, like, all on the plate. Did you see the same sandwich? Or did you see maybe, like, two pieces of white bread with peanut butter and jelly in the middle? Or maybe it was a ham and cheese cut on the bias? So these visions were all the same thing, but they were all very different at the same time. They all looked different compared to mine and probably compared to yours. So imagine what happens when we go bigger with that concept. What does love look like to you? What about support? Friendship? Hard work? These are all things that we usually aim for in life, and yet they mean wildly different things to each of us. And the importance of this little practice or exercise is that a leader gives their team a moment to share their ideas, communicate what they see, and get everyone to a point of shared meaning. This does take a lot of work, and it does, you know, there, there is a intentionality here behind it that is going to take a little bit longer, but the payoff is going to be even better because everyone will have a shared vision and will be on the same page. So next time when there's conflict or if you're having trouble in a relationship or in some kind of interpersonal thing, just ask, ask the person what their perspective is, how they see things, what it means to them, and then be willing to share yours and hopefully you can find a middle ground. Finding and inspiring that forward movement will be much more helpful if you do that. We get into trouble when we don't define our perceptions, ideas, expectations, and our needs. When we communicate, we're up against more than just our words. Our perceptions are very much at play, and we have to take those into consideration. This step of inspiring a shared vision is all about rallying your team together, unifying that shared vision, and allowing that vision to guide your team. Number three, challenge the process. This one, this one's all about innovation, breaking the norm, and taking risks. So is there a new way to resolve the issue to get you to the goal? Or 
does this process need to be questioned and placed on its head? Or maybe it's this idea of, you know, we've never done it like this before, and I think it might work. Let's take that chance. So with that, you're welcoming risk. And with that, you're welcoming everything else that comes with it. So you have to keep in mind that it's okay to fail. It's okay to make a mistake. And it's okay to struggle a little bit because you're challenging the process. You're finding something new and something different. And that's okay. It's okay to do that. And it's probably going to be a little bit more fun when you do. Personally, for me, I think this is an area of weakness. I'm learning how to initiate healthier risks in life. It's still a struggle, but I'm working on it. And for the longest time, I didn't look at risk and failure as being a teacher or a guide. I just saw it as like risk equaled abort mission, stop, do not pass go, do not collect $200, you're done, you're over. But keeping that kind of mentality is a surefire way to get yourself stuck and to keep yourself there. And I know we all like comfort. I just think if we keep an active process of learning and growing, risk is going to help us get there. Number four, enable others to act. When we are inspiring a shared vision, there has to be moments where you allow your followers the freedom to build off of their ideas and their thoughts. In order to do this as a leader, we have to try to create an environment where it's safe to do so and an environment that welcomes collaboration. When people share their thoughts and build off of them, there is a freedom of exploration there and your creative ideas will flow so much more. And what's necessary to note is that, now again, this is going to sound similar to servant leadership, but there's a reason, you know, it's repeating, it's important. The individuality that you have of each person on your team is needed and it needs to be respected. And that's how you create that safety in that moment so that your followers are welcomed and free to resolve an issue how they see fit. It is in allowing these moments that people will be more likely to take on their own initiative when it comes to problem solving, tackling an issue, or getting to a specific goal. And I think this is the best option, especially when you compare it to simply delegating and directing your team. Number five, the last one, encourage the heart. I think in the most simplified terms here, if you see something good, say it. Praise it, affirm it, do it on a personal level, do it on a public level. Your personal level indicates that you have that one-on-one appreciation for whoever it is that you are choosing to build up and encourage. And the public one says, hey, everyone, are you seeing the contributions and the goodness here? Let's take a moment and really just highlight this. And isn't this amazing? When that happens you have more people acknowledge that strength and that praise boosts the person and it also boosts team morale. And it creates that fulfilling moment that I think everyone is looking for on a team. So having that encouraging moment can also inspire others to want to continue to do what they're doing so that they can be highlighted too because they know that the work that they're doing is going to be appreciated. So As a leader, this shows that you are engaged with your team, you pay attention, and you care. Encouragement shouldn't be something that you 
keep locked in a vault and it only sees the light of day when extreme excellence is present and it, there, there's a rigorous moment that you have to get through in order to get my encouragement. I think that is so backward. I think the little things should be praised and noted because how else can we promote growth as leaders? Do you just wait for it to show up? Or do you encourage it? Do you nourish it? And do you guide it out? Encouraging others should be a really easy thing to do. And it should be an everyday practice. Those are the five steps. Out of all five of these steps, which step do you think you do really well? And which one needs improvement? How can this model be implemented within your everyday life? I know for me, I have specific ideas and things that I want to pursue and change and become better at. So I'm going to make more of a mental note and an initiation towards implementing all five steps in my everyday life. And I will document it when I see it happening. I'll document it and I'll share it with you. If you want to know what that is, you can find it on my socials. You can find me on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram at Let's Extricate It. And I am excited to transform my leadership. And I hope I have some friends who are willing to do it with me. For now, thank you so much. I'll catch you on the next one.